Hello, everyone, and welcome back to In This Day and Page, a Weston Wine Public Library podcast. I'm your host, Maggie Martin. In today's episode, we sat down with author Denise Williams. Denise will be the guest author at our upcoming Friends Foundation author event on Tuesday, March 28th from 6.45 to 8 o'clock p.m. Denise is the author of touching, funny, and steamy romance novels, including How to Fail at Flirting, The Fastest Way to Fall, Do You Take This Man, and her latest collection of novellas, The Sweetest Connection. We are very excited to have her here with us, so without further ado, let's welcome Denise. So I'm going to start off with our rapid fire intro questions. We ask everyone who comes on the podcast these. So can you first tell us what your name is and what your preferred pronouns are? Hi, I'm Denise Williams. I use she, her pronouns. Fantastic. And then I know it's tough, but what is the last great book you read or what are you currently reading? Oh, I have a few. So I am reading um, The True Love Experiment, which is Christina Lauren's next book. And it is so fun so far. Um, That will be out in May. And I am also reading, uh, I just finished actually, Mickey Chambers Shakes It Up, which is by Mm. Cherish Reed. And that one is also coming out soon. Cherish is just one of my absolute favorite writers. And I've known her kind of since I came on the scene. And so I was really excited to read her next book, which will be out really soon. You are so lucky that you've got a Christina Lauren sneak peek there. That's amazing. Um, (laughs) Very jealous. Um, What is your favorite book format? Are you a physical book person, ebook, audiobook? I love audiobooks. I Mm -hmm. I commute between Des Moines and Ames every day for work. And so audiobooks are actually how I do a ton of my reading. And I also, I love all formats of books, but I am definitely somebody who stays up way too late and reads before bed. So ebooks are much easier to do that than audiobooks while I'm driving. Absolutely. All right. And then since this is a library podcast, I have to ask, have libraries had an impact in, on your life and how so? Definitely. Um, actually, one of my first elementary school memories is our library, and oh. Mrs. Mayberry was our uh, our librarian. And this is I'm I've got some years on me, so this is going back a few minutes. Um, and I just remember loving library days and being so excited to go in. And my son is in kindergarten now, and he kind of has that same excitement, which is like oh. so fun to see. Um, and so I, I really love that. I've always been a bookish kid. I'm a bookish adult. I work at a university. Libraries have just always been kind of part of the ether of everything I've done. And so I was really excited. Actually, the first time I was able to see my books in the library they'd been out for a few years because of pandemic and then um, them being checked out I I think I'd been like a published author for about two years when I freaked out the first time I saw them in my local library here in Urbandale oh I love that love that so much um and I love that your son is sharing the same excitement about libraries I love seeing that go down generations it's wonderful (laughs) (laughs) um so now we're going to jump into some questions about your writing. Um, and then can you give us, um, I know you gave us a little bit of a background on how you have been impacted by libraries, but can you give us a little bit more um, on yourself and your connection to Iowa? 
Oh, sure. Um, well, I grew up a military brat. So I, I was born in Tokyo, lived in London, California, and my parents moved to Nebraska when I was in middle school, which is where they retired. But uh, I didn't know anything about Iowa until I got recruited to go to Iowa State. And I That's fell fun. in love with my time as a college student and ended up after leaving and going to graduate school, came back. And now I've been here since 2008, um, got married here, had my son here, like my career is really here. So I I am definitely an Iowan now and after um, kind of a life of moving and making new friends and finding new places it's sort of wild to me that I've been here for as long as I have but it really was that scholarship and um, you know being a student that brought me to the state and kind of brought me to Iowa. Fantastic and you're working at Iowa State now correct? Yes yep. Wonderful. So we have a lot to thank Iowa State for, for keeping you here in Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I like to think so. (laughs) Uh Awesome. And then another tough question, but can you give us like a few sentences of a premise for each of your books? Oh, sure. Um, I should be better at this. I've been doing it for a few years now, but my (laughs) debut is How to Fail at Flirting. And that came out in 2020. I would say the premise there is a uh, professor who has definitely locked herself kind of away and closed herself off after ending an abusive relationship, decides to reclaim her life. And as all good type A people do, decides to do that through a uh, a to-do list. And then in the course of the to-do list meets the person who really challenges her to tackle taking down her own walls. That uh, definitely has some content warnings on it because the heroine is definitely on a healing journey as well as a falling in love and fun journey. So that's all on my website. but that one's also kind of high heat. It's a fun rom-com uh, with some serious notes to it. The second book that I put out in 2021 is The Fastest Way to Fall. And that centers a fat heroine who is a journalist who is reviewing a body positive fitness app. So that book really looks at not only a love story and finding the person who makes you realize how strong you are physically and emotionally, but also looks at how somebody can be in love with their body and also be excited about exercise and also be in a body that people don't associate with exercise. So that was a really um, affirming book to write and I hope to read. Uh, My third novel is Do You Take This Man, which definitely has a lot more kind of rom-com vibes. It's about RJ, who is a divorce attorney who does not believe in love, but who for romance reasons also facilitates weddings, which is something I actually do as well. Uh, And she falls in love with who I termed a dude bro wedding planner. Uh, So Lear, for his own reasons, also is is shying away from love. So these two people come to know each other, come to fall in love through kind of an enemies with benefits arrangement uh, while they're surrounded by other people's love stories. And that one is probably, I would say, my steamiest book. Um, let's see. Okay. It's one, two, three. Uh, so next I put out three novellas and they actually were just released in print all together, uh, in a title called, uh, Love and Other Flight Delays. But each of those three, uh, novellas is about, uh, love in the airport. The first one is The Love Connection, and that is about an airport dog groomer. I actually don't think that is a real job, but I decided it should be a real job. It should be. (laughs) So, you know, I wrote it into existence. Uh, So an airport dog groomer who is a risk taker on everything except love falls in love with a frequent flyer she sees all the time, and he ends up being a part-time romance author as he's also a risk assessor. So he's very risk averse. Oh, my gosh. 
And then through the course of their relationship, which takes place all in the airport, they kind of challenge each other to figure out what's worth taking a risk on. And of course, it's each other. Love that. The second in that series is The Mist Connection, and Gia is the heroine who is a chemistry professor. She has a serendipitous night during a flight delay where she meets this amazing guy in an airport. They share a great night, never to see each other again, except three months later, they do see each other again because it turns out they're actually rivals um, (laughs) and have been tearing down each other's work for years. So now uh, these two once- you know, beautiful kind of serendipitous one night lovers are academic rivals and they have to travel together on kind of a five university tour and of course fall in love. And then the third book in that series is The Sweetest Connection. And that is about two best friends who both work in the airport. Tegan works in a candy shop um, and uh, Silas is in customer service. They've been best friends since college and they find a love letter and end up trying to figure out who that love letter belongs uh, in the next week before Tegan leaves the country. And along the way kind of tease out some of the feelings that they've always had for each other. The next one that'll come out is in May, and it's called Even If the Sky is Falling. That's an anthology edited by uh, Taj McCoy, and it'll come out from Canary Press. I'm so excited about this one. Um, We pitched it as Love Actually meets your favorite 90s disaster movie where they kiss at the end. And so the premise is that all of these people think the world is ending. You know, something light and fluffy for our current times. Uh, (laughs) Debris is falling from space, like the alarms are going off, everybody is going to shelter in place. And so there's six different stories of people sheltering in place. And mine is called uh, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better. And it's about Mm -hmm. two former college rivals who get stuck in their old biology building. It's also very steamy. Um, And so uh, all of the six different authors, um, Sarah Smith, Taj McCoy, Cherish Reed, Farah Heron, um, Lane Clark, I think that's everybody, um, all wrote different stories for that one. And that'll be out May 30th, May May 30th, yeah. Wonderful. And then um, finally, my last one for 2023 will come out in December. It's called Technically Yours, and that'll be my next full-length novel. And if anybody has read The Fastest Way to Fall, it's Pearl and Cord's story. So two side Yeah, that's my general reaction I get from folks. Uh, (laughs) So that'll be a second chance romance that takes place uh, where she is Uh, leads the, um, is the executive director for a nonprofit that gets kids into coding and technical careers. And he is on the board of directors and is a mentor. And then along the course of their relationship and navigating these kind of professional spaces, you find out what happened with them over the last five years. Oh, I love that. That is so exciting. So if people could tell by my reaction there, I've read, um, (laughs) your first three books. Uh, I have not read the novellas yet, but I, that is on my list. Um, So I am super excited to dig into those and I'm just like so excited that technically yours is a follow-up to some of my favorite characters from uh, The Fastest Way to Fall. Thank you. It was really fun to like, to write them again. I've written like three bonus stories for The Fastest Way to Fall. I can't leave those characters alone. So it was fun. I love that. Um, well, and then I picked up on something fun you said about, uh, do you take this man? So do you officiate weddings now as well? I do. I actually have since, I think I did my first one in 2007. Whoa. So I do them for friends, family, you know, folks who ask me to, uh, but it's so much fun and it is definitely the best role you can play in somebody else's wedding. Um, 
you are the one person that the bride really cannot pop off on. Um, <laughs> you're not going to start without you and you get to wear whatever you want. So like, it's a great w- uh, role to have at a wedding. Um, I am going to kind of shift focus into what it was like to get your very first book published. Can you talk about what the journey from um, writing, how to fill out flirting to getting it published was like? Yeah, and, and I, I was just putting together my, my presentation for, for when I'll be speaking at the library um, here in a few days. Um, but I never planned to be a writer. I've I loved to write my whole life, whether it was bad poetry that I put on the internet in 1999. <laughs> Funny story, it's still there on this very old website. Um, <laughs> or short stories, or I've just always loved to write, but I never planned to be an author. That was, that was never in my plan. I went to graduate school, I got a PhD, I do research. Um, and I didn't start writing until 2016 when the world was, you know, 2016ing. And right. I had a young son and I just sat, like, I felt lost. I felt like I was kind of buried in momming and work and everything. And I just had lost something. So I sat down to write a short story. And at the end of the night, I felt so like my cup was so full. So yeah. I just kept going back and I kept going back and I kept going back. And eventually I had a book. And I thought, wow, you know, maybe this book is kind of good. And I showed it to some friends who lovingly and gently and kindly told me that it wasn't. Uh, and then <laughs> I learned more about writing and I edited it. And I made some writer friends who maybe less gently and kindly told me what I had to work on. Um, but over the course of, you know, probably a year, year and a half, I kind of figured out what to do with that story and edited it. And that became um, How to Fill Out Flirting, my debut novel. So it was my first book published, but it was also the first book I ever wrote, which was kind of exciting. Amazing. Um, the the process for going from writing the book to publishing the book can be a little convoluted, uh, but it often starts for traditional publishing with finding a literary agent, which I was able to do relatively quickly. Sharon, my agent, is, is just amazing. I absolutely love her. And we were able to find the right editor relatively quickly at, at Berkeley. And my editor is, is Carrie Donovan, who I also just adore. All my books have been edited with her except for the anthology. Um, so we were able to connect with them relatively quickly. But I do remember when my agent called to tell me that the book had sold, I was at work. And um, a student was in my office doing something. And I was like, oh, excuse me, let me just take this call real quick. And so I, I screamed and I cried. And my agent was like, before I tell you, are you driving? And I'm like, no. So actually that student who I didn't even know very well was the first person to know I got a book deal like before, oh. before anybody else. So um, so that was that was really exciting. And honestly, like that, that's still my reaction every time we sell a book. And we've sold a few now. Um, but it's always just so wild that something I wrote is going to be on shelves and in libraries and, and, and in these spaces that I look for books. And so I don't know that that feeling will ever get old. I really hope that it doesn't. Is your writing process different for each new project that you tackle or kind of, what's your kind of writing ritual like? You know, I don't even know if I have a set one because the context of writing all of those has been so different. Mm -hmm. Um, Writing How to Fill Up Flirting, I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't think anybody would ever read it, which in some ways took a lot longer, but also was a lot, it was no pressure. Um, You know, it really was, it was for fun. There was nobody waiting for it. And The Fastest Way to Fall, I actually wrote before I ever sold How to Fill Up Flirting. And I wrote that during um, National Novel Writing Month in November. Oh, sure. And I wish I could write that fast again. I wrote 90,000 words in a month. So I wrote all of the book in one month. 
Um, and that again, it was it was fun. It was it was filling my cup. Nobody was waiting for it. I didn't know if anybody would ever read it. So my process there was very different than with my other projects where they, you know, they'd already sold to a publisher. I had to do some plotting on the front end so that um, I could, you know, we could sell the book. They, I had a deadline, uh, but also at that point we were into the pandemic. And so right. um, do you take this man? I wrote 85% of that on my couch while my son was four feet away watching Paw Patrol while we were locked in the house. Um, I wrote all the love scenes for that one first because I just needed something fun to write. Um, yes. And so that was very different than writing the novellas, which I had to write fairly fast, but I did those while I was bopping around the country on a plane. Um, we had like that five minute dip where it was safe to travel. And right. I booked a little just me vacation and stayed in as many airports as I could to write those books. So cool. I'm kind of excited to start. I'm about to start a new project actually this weekend and to kind of figure out like, what is my process when it doesn't seem like the world is ending, when I do know somebody's going to read the book, when right. my child is back in school, um, you know, what will that be like? I mean, we've talked about how my favorite characters are going to come back in technically yours. So one of my favorite things about your books is just how like rounded and fleshed out the characters are. Um, can you tell us about what your kind of favorite character dynamics to write are? I always really love writing the first time the characters are intimate with each other, like whether that is a sex or it's a kiss or a touch kind of depends on the story. But I love writing those kind of physical meet emotional moments mm -hmm. and the dynamics. But um, more broadly, writing enemies to lovers was a lot <laughs> of fun. I, I love reading it, but I'd never written it before, before Do You Take This Man? And I had a blast with that. It's a little more challenging than some of the other tropes, but it is so much fun to kind of write in that case like a very guarded character especially a really guarded heroine and kind of show how she can be strong and not change her personality but also you know reveal the softer side to another person but I don't know I think every time I'm in the middle of a project I'm completely enamored with that project and in love with those characters so I'm, I'm you know I'm writing something that'll be out in a couple of years so I'm trying to like bounce back but the, mm -hmm. yeah, those like emotional meets physical moments are probably my favorite thing to write. We talked a little bit about Even If the Sky is Falling. What mm -hmm. was it like collaborating with the different authors and, you know, a new editor on this project? How, how was that um, experience? Well, you know, on one, and on all hands, it's been lovely. But on one hand, it was amazing because I was not in charge. I just had to <laughs> write my story and turn it in and then yeah. talk editing so I was doing all of the compiling and the pitching and everything um and so on, on a lot of levels that was that was lovely and it was fun to write something short um that's about I think my part's about 14 or 15,000 words so maybe about like half of a novella's length um and so that was just kind of a, a great brain break there's a lot of, of physical steam in that book and it's funny um and so I was excited about that it, it was collaboration but still our stories were all our own Right. So I think where, you know, you have that true collaboration where you're co-writing with someone that might raise some other opportunities or challenges. Um, but this was really taking kind of Taj's premise and writing underneath it. And then Aaron is awesome. I had uh, Aaron Toma at Harlequin is who we're working with as our editor. And I hadn't worked with her before, but she's wonderful. And I actually teach a class on romance novels at the university. It's a, a seminar course where students are kind of doing some 
different levels of analysis and, and understanding of the genre. And she's actually going to come speak to my class kind of about being an editor in a couple of weeks. So I'm excited about that. That is incredibly cool. I wish there was a class like that when I was in college. That's it's awesome. a fun way to, you know, get discussion going and promote that creative thinking. So then my next question kind of shifts towards someone who maybe has an idea for a book in their head, but hasn't figured out how to, you know, sit down and actually like put pen to paper. Uh, what is your greatest piece of advice for someone who is considering to write a book for the first time? My, uh, my broad advice to anybody, whether it's writing the first book or the 50th book, is just to write it. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> and the other piece of that is that a first draft has to do absolutely nothing except exist. Um, to yeah. know that so many of us, I think, get in our own head about will it be perfect? It won't. Um, will it be, um, you know, will it be finished when I finish this first draft? Absolutely, it won't. Um, the most famous authors in the world and the most experienced authors in the world don't write a clean first draft. Mm -hmm. So I think that is just my advice to all writers is to put it down on paper and you can edit it. That's why we have editing. Um, but also there are lots of resources. If you want to plot the book out first and know what happens, there are so many great books about building a plot. If it's romance, I think Romancing the Beat is a really accessible um, book for that or Story Grid or um, Save the Cat Writes a Novel or there's a ton of them and you can take those resources. But I would say the most important thing about being a writer is to just put pen to paper, type that first page and go from there because we can get in our head and second guess forever and then the book never gets written. Super solid advice. And then on the other end, if someone has written a book and they are looking to uh, get traditionally published, what is your piece of advice of someone starting that journey of wanting to be traditionally published? Oh yeah, um, find community um, because I think those, and, and not even just the early stages of publishing, many stages of publishing are filled with rejection. Mm -hmm. um, and that is true for everybody. But especially when you're starting out, it can feel very harrowing and having a writing community is so important. Um, Twitter is a little dubious now, but I mm -hmm. still think the Twitter writing community is, is wonderful and I'm sure it exists in other spaces. But um, as you're querying, which is the process you go through to try to get a literary agent, or you're out on submission, which is when you maybe have an agent or you're submitting things to publishers, there's just a lot of rejection. There's a lot of opportunities to doubt yourself. So I say, you know, find some writer friends, find some writing community so that as you're about to take those next steps, you have people in your corner who are going to cheer with you, who are going to rage with you, who are going to cry with you, who are going to lift you up when it feels like nobody else is. Um, and I don't say that to discourage anybody from pursuing it, but I think that is just the reality of the, of the industry. And that's something that we all go through. Um, but the second piece is to use your resources. So if you're trying to find a literary agent, which is sometimes the first step um, in traditional publishing, especially for the bigger houses, um, check out manuscript wish list, ask questions. If you're not sure what how to even uh, like who you would even talk to go to books that you really love or books that are very similar to yours or that you would aspire to, to publish in that way and go to the author's acknowledgements almost always we will thank our editors we will thank our agents in addition to everybody else and so that's how you can kind of learn who is you know who might i want to represent me who is representing books like mine who is editing books like mine that's a really good place to start 
And then you told us that you're working on something now that won't come out for a couple of years. Can you give us any kind of sneak peek into what <laughs> you're, you're working on now? Because it is not public yet. Um, <laughs> announced yet. But I will say uh, this will be in a new universe. So all of my Ooh. novels up to this point have kind of been in the same universe. You see some characters kind of move in and out of the stories, technical yours will kind of end that universe. So this will be something new. And my plan is that it'll be set in Des Moines. So excited. I love that. That is very exciting. So, I mean, even if that's the only little nugget we get, that is a very exciting nugget to hold on to for the next few years. Uh. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm hoping I can announce it. It happens through the publisher, but I'm guessing we'll announce it sometime in the next month or so. We're finalizing Ooh, now. Fantastic. Well, I will keep my eyes peeled on your social media for that. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> uh, I'm speaking of social media. What are what's the best way that people who are listening right now can connect with you? Well, I spend a lot of time on social media and it's usually procrastinating doing something writing related <laughs> I'm supposed to be doing. So I am really active on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Nick Will Writes, um, N-I-C-W-I-L-L Writes. And then I also am on Facebook under author Denise Williams. I'm not as great about checking Facebook, but I do have a super active um, reader group, uh, my Juicy Readers, who are on Facebook. So if folks want to kind of join in with other people talking about books, um, that group is pretty active on Facebook too. And then obviously you will be at the library on Tuesday, the 28th for your author event here, but are there any other local events that someone listening, if they weren't able to join us at the library, might be able to catch you at? Yeah, I have two other um, local ones coming up. So on March 31st, which is next Friday, I'll be at Storyhouse Books. And the first part of that is going to be a draw and sip. So there'll be a local artist kind of walking us through some drawing uh, while we have some Ooh. beverages. I believe the sip part is currently sold out, um, but I think they have a wait list. And then after that, we're going to have a book discussion and it'll be um, a local bookstagrammer, Elisa, who is amazing. I will be there with me and we'll be talking about love and other flight delays. On uh, May 25th at Dog-Eared Books, um, Christina Lauren is coming to Ames, which is really exciting. So we'll get to hang with um, Christina and Lauren and I'll be doing a, a conversation with them about the True Love Experiment, their new book. I believe that one right now is also sold out. That one is ticketed, but I know they have a wait list that they're maintaining. So um, Dog-Eared Books on their website or Storyhouse Books on their website have all the ticket information and I'll share the links with you as well. Perfect. Well, because I need to get myself on the wait list for Christina Lauren event because that- Oh yeah. Is they are just two of the most lovely- people. I was with them this last weekend in New York at some, with some other authors and I, it's going to be so much fun. They're just so delightful. And I am super bummed. I will miss your Friday event, but I was able to come to your Storyhouse author after a party, like, was it February of last year? Oh yeah. With Rachel Mans McKenney. Oh my gosh. That was yes. so much fun. Storyhouse does <laughs> the best events. Oh, they do. They put on a great shindig for sure. I mean, I think we're just kind of lucky in general. We have so many indie bookstores in the area yeah. and, and reading in public just opened. Yeah. Folks have not been there. It's in Valley Junction. It's an amazing spot and they have a great cafe inside that um, we just kind of have this buffet of, of book riches on top of our amazing libraries. And so that's really exciting. Oh, absolutely. 
yeah, no, we were counting down the days because, I mean, reading in public is five minutes away from the West Point Library. So we were oh, counting wow. down the days for that one to open up. Um, and then, of course, like the, the Des Moines Book Festival was this weekend. So yes. um, got to spend time with the Beaverdale Books folks. And then um, the Ames Public Library had an author fair yesterday as well. So it just feels like a very bookish weekend, which is kind of a delightful, um, <laughs> delightful way to have a weekend. Uh, do you feel like, is there anything that we haven't covered today that you'd want to add for anyone listening? Oh, gosh, I don't. I don't think so, but I'm excited to see folks on on Tuesday and to to chat books. I'm actually just I'm I'm a last minute person, so I'm just putting together my PowerPoint now. Um, but excited to just kind of I don't know talk about writing and lessons learned. That's kind of where I'm focusing on because I do think um, writing, like so many other pursuits, is something that really helps you learn things about yourself. And I, I lead a, I co-lead a women's empowerment program at, at Iowa State. We've done that for the last five years. And so much of what I've learned from that, I've been able to apply to writing and vice versa in terms of just being more comfortable in my skin and kind of owning my power and my voice. And so that's what I'll be talking about. But I hope folks are, you know, interested in engaging in some of those conversations, um, because for me, they've been really powerful and impactful. If people aren't able to join us in person on Tuesday, we also have um, it's streaming on Zoom. So I will include all of the, Zoom, the links to register for the Zoom um, in the description of this podcast. And uh, we're incredibly, incredibly excited to have you here. Um, so thank you for agreeing to spend the night with us on Tuesday. Yeah, so excited to, to hang with y'all. All right, now let's get into the reading roundup for this podcast. So Denise talked about reading The True Love Experiment by Christina Lauren and Mickey Chambers Shakes It Up by Cherish Reed. And of course, we talked about her books. So I'll remind you again what those are called. They are How to Fail at Flirting, The Fastest Way to Fall, Do You Take This Man, Even If the Sky is Falling, and that's the anthology edited by Taj McCoy, and Technically Yours, which will be out in May. Now on to the upcoming events here at the library in the next two weeks. We will have regular story times this week, but we will not be hosting them on the week of April 3rd. As a reminder, we have Laps at Storytime on Mondays, Toddler Storytime on Tuesdays, Baby Doll Storytime on Wednesdays, and Family Storytime on Wednesday, Thursday, and Fridays. And we also have a new Saturday Storytime hosted in the Story Room that does not require registration. All right, and the rest of the events for the next two weeks... Tonight on Monday, March 27th, we have Book Club Social Hybrid Edition from 7 to 8.45 p.m. On Tuesday, March 28th, we have Tech One-on-One Sessions from 10 to 11.30 a.m. Also on Tuesday, we have the event that we were talking about here on the podcast, our Friends Foundation author event with Denise Williams, and that starts at 6.45 and goes until 8 p.m. On Saturday, April 1st, we have New Device Tech Help from 10 to 11.30 a.m., Also on Saturday, we have Introduction to Bees and Beekeeping from noon to 2 p.m. On Wednesday, April 5th, we have Learn How to Fight Fraud from 1 to 2 p.m. Also on Wednesday, we have Teen Group Service Project from 3 to 5 p.m. And finally on that Wednesday, we have Dungeons and Dragons, a one-shot series from 5.30 to 9 o'clock p.m. On Thursday, April 6th, we have more tech one-on-one sessions from 1.30 to 3 o'clock p.m., And then finally, on Sunday, April 9th, we will be closed in observation of the Easter holiday, and we will reopen at 9 o'clock a.m. on Monday, April 10th. 
Thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of In This Day and Page. I'll see you back here for our next one on April 10th. Have a fantastic day.